Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. Good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, uh, the saving grace of this lockdown for me personally has been I've watched a lot of the Olympic Games. Uh, it'd be great to hear what your, what's been your highlight, mate, of the Olympics so far. Well, Craig, I, I love the swimming and Arnie Titmus's uh, duel with uh, Katie Ledecky for the 400 metres for me was a real highlight. But my wife, Craig's also Italian, so I have to watch some of the Italian uh, athletes as well. And the uh, Italian high jumper, when it was announced that he was going to be a joint gold medalist, uh, he's celebration was a classic display of understated Italian celebrations. It certainly was, Matt. I, I do agree. The the Australian-US rivalry has been uh, really key in these games. Uh, and for me personally, uh, the women's soccer team has been fantastic. And that's a couple of thrilling games and some high scoring ones. Matthew, let's get on to economic matters. This week, the RBA left interest rates on hold. Was this a result of their previous 2024 rate hike guidance? Or is it simply a reality of the impact of the Delta strain? Well, Craig, commentators, including ourselves, were largely expecting the rate guidance to be unchanged. But there was a split of opinion over whether the RBA would reverse their decision to taper their QE program or not. Now, we sided with the no change camp despite the impact of lockdowns because we thought the RBA had time to assess policy. We also thought that a QE program of $4 billion versus $5 billion a week is still stimulatory in a world with government debt issuance falling over time. Now, this is because Despite the taper, the RBA's demand for government debt would still be falling by less than the falling of the government's supply of new debt as the budget repair is outstripping expectations. Hence, even a tapered QE program could continue to place downward pressure on interest rates. But of course, our ability, or I should say, Craig, our lack of ability to contain the spread of Delta can change things quickly. And with Victoria and the Hunter region now joining Greater Sydney and South East Queensland in lockdown, the RBA will come under pressure to delay its QE taper. Yeah, I think I saw this morning that uh, over half of Australia is now in lockdown. The currency market did react with a rally in the Australian dollar, Matthew. Uh, was this the market now signalling the RBA should be easing as opposed to its previous signals that the RBA should be tightening? Yeah, Craig, well, the market's all over the place at the moment. It's been very volatile. Going back to Tuesday, uh, the currency initially rallied on the announcement uh, of the uh, by the RBA, uh, particularly its lack of uh, pushing back on the tapering. But by the time the European and US markets had opened later that night, the Aussie dollar had already given up all its uh, post-RBA meeting gains. It then reversed that position. It reached a high this week of uh, just over 74 cents, but it's now trading uh, just a smidge above 74 cents. It's still about a half percent higher uh, than before the RBA meeting. If anything, I'd say the market has taken the RBA's announcement pretty much in its stride. You're listening to Craig Balanswala and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current impact of the latest central bank policies that are shaping your investment outlook. Last week, Matthew, we raised the efficacy or lack thereof of monetary policy in a stagflation environment. Do you still think the efficacy of monetary policy is diminishing? Well, leaving for 
for a moment the question of stagflation aside, uh, Craig, the potency of monetary stimulus is, is clearly diminishing, in my opinion. Well, cash rates are already at the zero bound, which leaves further rounds of quantitative easing. The only uh, mechanism which uh, uh, the RBA can affect uh, policy stimulus. Now, the two transmission mechanisms of QE are, as you correctly said, Craig, the flattening of the yield curve and the devaluing of the currency. Now, lowering medium to long-term interest rates by flattening the yield curve uh, stimulates the economy through lowering the cost of debt to businesses and encouraging them to invest. But with interest rates so low and plenty of liquidity already available, the real headwind to business investment at the moment, in my opinion, is is the confidence in whether or not we can get on top of COVID. Uh, And unfortunately, Craig, the RBA can't help out on that front. Another outcome of lower to medium long-term interest rates, of course, is the downward pressure on the exchange rate. But with long-term interest rates already very low, further yield curve flattening and rate compression, and hence currency devaluation is becoming increasingly limited. Does the COVID environment also come into play, Matthew, with impacting the effectiveness of monetary policy? Yeah, I think so, Craig. You're right there. Many of the usual avenues through which uh, lower currency stimulates the economy are, are currently closed off by COVID. We've got closed international borders, meaning that a weaker currency that make usually makes our tourism and international education sectors more attractive to foreigners is basically irrelevant. Uh, similarly, a weaker currency that makes makes international travel more expensive uh, for us and hence encourages us to spend more money at home. That's also gone. More generally, Craig, by making imports more expensive, a weaker currency usually helps shift spending to the cheaper domestically produced alternatives. But as our manufacturing base shrinks, there are less and less domestically produced alternatives for many of those imported products. Think of oil, motor vehicles, and uh, most electronic goods. Hence, this tilts the impact of a lower currency towards higher inflation, inflation of those imported goods, at the expense of higher production and employment. So, Matthew, I'm going to take you back to the start of COVID, because back then we had a currency war. Every central bank was really pushing hard to deflate their currency to stimulate trade. Given what you just said right then, are we going to see a similar situation occur now as central banks around the world try to stimulate growth through their exchange rates? Yes, well, that's the other big risk factor that the RBA will be keeping its eye on, and obviously related to COVID, is that Delta V. Variant uh, is is affecting not only Australia and our region. Uh, it's also affecting, as we know, uh, Europe and North America. As those economies, uh, if those economies slow, and the the Fed and the ECB and the Bank of England are uh, push out their uh, tapering, then of course uh, the RBA will be forced to do the same. Otherwise, they'll risk uh, an appreciation of the currency, which we can't afford at the moment. Matthew, um, let's go back to the area of stagflation. I know it's not your central case, uh, but despite the success of the vaccination programs in Europe and North America. America. We've spoken previously of the supply impacts of the Delta variant on the East Asian manufacturing hub. So as you've been warning, low vaccination rates in our region could result in renewed lockdowns as the Delta variant spreads. And we're certainly seeing that right now. How do Asian-based supply disruptions impact the efficacy of central banks and their QE? Well, Craig, you're right. We've seen lockdowns all over our region in Taiwan, Japan, Vietnam, and, and now China, for example. Uh, as supply dries up, the 
prices for of the imports from these countries goes up and the impact flows through to our economy, driving inflation higher. Now, a QE strategy that weakens the exchange rate in this environment will actually exacerbate the pressure on domestic inflation by driving the cost of those imports even higher. You're listening to Craig Balanceweather and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresights that are shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, let's bring it all together. As an institutional investor, how might these potential currency market outlooks that we've been discussing impact your investment portfolio? Well, Craig, devaluations driven by looser monetary policy are typically great news for risk assets. This is because interest rates are driven lower, uh, economic growth picks up, and many of our major industrial sectors benefit. Uh, A lower exchange rate, for example, will benefit many of our traditional exporters, including resources and agriculture sectors. But the risk is a weaker currency could have a larger than usual pass-through to inflation with the possibility that higher inflation could undermine growth. That's stagflation, of course. It's difficult to protect the portfolio against the stagflation scenario, especially if your strategic asset allocation is built around a central case of a growth recovery and well-anchored inflation. Risk assets that are good inflation hedges are one part of the solution. Regulated infrastructure assets and even retail uh, real estate assets are two such assets classes that come to mind. Uh, such assets should perform well in a central case of growth and anchored inflation and still outperform in a stagflation scenario. Thanks, Matthew. We covered a lot this morning. Uh, in summary, the RBA decision this week to keep rates on hold is only part of the story. The position on that go-forward QE relative to the government supplier bonds will be a vital ingredient to the shape of the yield curve going forward. And however, the bigger question could actually be, can monetary policy be effective in the current economic environment where, let's face it, COVID has created a really complex system? And is there a risk for the central banks to start engaging their currency wars, currency mark two? What will this mean for institutional investors? You're listening to Craig Balanceweather and QIC's QPod. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.